Hello and welcome to Management Today's Leadership Lessons podcast. I'm Kate McGee, MT's editor. On today's episode, we discuss the rise of women on the FTSE 350 boards, what we learned from IBM and American Express's UK chiefs, and the real reason your staff are staying quiet in meetings. That's all on the Leadership Lessons agenda this week. With me are MT's Antonia Garrett-Peel and Ailish Cronin. Let's dive into the first topic, which is about why your staff are staying quiet. Antonia, what did you learn about this? Yeah, so this was a piece of research from academics at the University of Sydney Business School and Lund University. Um, and as you said, they wanted to investigate the reasons why people don't speak up in meetings. I'm sure we've all experienced this. You're having a meeting about, say, a company procedure, new process, or some other issue like employee well-being. And people who have been very vocal, should we say, about their opinions in private keep completely stumm. This can be, to say the least, frustrating. And you can guarantee that they're going to keep moaning about it once the meeting is over. Now, conventional wisdom holds that what prevents people from speaking out is fear that their career will be damaged or cynicism about whether anything will actually change. However, the academics identified four different behaviours that they claim explain people's reluctance to speak up. These are opportunism, So in this situation, individuals' self-interest outweighs organisational goals. They're focused on their own career progression and they don't see the value in contributing to organisational change. The second is convenience. People would do anything for a quiet life, essentially. Then the third reason, ineptitude, is basically that people think speaking up is beyond their capabilities or unsuited to their personality. And they're also often held back by a fear of what others might think about what they say. Detachment, which was the fourth reason that the academics identified, is related to the trend of quiet quitting. For those not in the know, this is TikTok shorthand for fulfilling the minimum requirements for your job and only the minimum. When it comes to meeting, detachment means that people stay silent as they're focused solely on their own area and feel no responsibility for or connection to their workplace. All these behaviours are problematic because employee input can be crucial for developing new ideas, identifying areas of concern and for establishing a sense of community. And the reverse is also true. Silence can lead to poor decision making and error detection and erode commitment, trust, motivation and satisfaction. I guess I'd be interested to know what the sort of gender and age split is for this, because I imagine, and this is me purely going off of stereotypes that men would generally outnumber women when it comes to speaking up perhaps um and also thinking about age perhaps younger people who are perhaps newer to the corporate life might not feel confident enough to speak up and would rather listen and learn from others who have been there longer sometimes i think there's no harm in deferring to somebody who is perhaps more skilled or more confident, if that means that the information being spoken comes across a bit better. If you've got two people who one of them is a little bit more confident in in speaking up, perhaps they should be the person to then speak up because they can portray whatever needs to be said better. I guess the point here was partly that um, quite a lot of the things that they were looking at were sort of processes and stuff that everyone was going to be experiencing and so it's kind of you don't want to have that detachment between the leadership and what your employees are actually kind of experiencing on the ground and so I think that's the thing that's problematic it's like things that people are using in their everyday life that everyone has an opinion of and 
that comes from you know having like real insight through using it day to day but then when there's actually an opportunity to perhaps change something they're reluctant to kind of make their voice heard to the people who could actually enact the change Mm. I do think that perhaps if you're what if you're in a situation where you're in one of those meetings and you don't have an opinion some people just don't have an opinion and they or they think that they don't necessarily have something to complain about perhaps if it's a meeting where they they're looking for advice on what can be done better there might be people who think well actually I think this is fine do they need to say that or do they need to speak for the sake of speaking well that probably leads me quite nicely onto the strategies for how you can break the silence so to that point the academics recommend that you should let people know that they should come to the meeting prepared and that they're expected to share their views and ideas, however junior they are. The second strategy they recommend is to mentor newcomers and encourage participation by creating small breakout groups. They also suggest that you should encourage more vocal workers to create alliances with quieter colleagues and that you should recognise and reward speaking up while discouraging silence. For example, Passivity and silence should be noted as undesirable in appraisal talks or promotion decisions. And valuable contributions should also be noted. So it shouldn't just be speaking up for the sake of speaking up and, you know, to tick a box for participation. The research concludes that the more voice is normalised, the more trust there is between lower and upper levels of the organisation and the more engaged staff will be. I said uncharacteristically quiet throughout this uh, this discussion, but I think it's a really interesting one. And I take your point that different people um, have different levels of introversion, extroversion. People being quiet in meetings can be a bad sign, but it also can be a sign of that person. So I think it's about assessing the kind of normal behaviour for that person. Mm-hmm. And if it if somebody is normally very kind of chatty quiet. and goes quiet, then that's a problem. Or if the, the team is not um, speaking up and having discussions about having opinions or different topics that could be a problem as well it could be a sign that they don't agree Mm. with something Um, but yes it's not necessarily a bad thing on its own Hi I'm Lucinda Rouse and I'm Emily Burt and we're from Third Sector the UK's leading title for the voluntary and not-for-profit sector We're also hosts of the Third Sector podcast a weekly show covering news and issues affecting the charity world Each week, someone from the Third Sector team brings on expert guests to look at all aspects of how charities deliver their vital services in the UK and around the globe. So find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or the podcast page of our website at thirdsector.co.uk. Now, the past few weeks, I've been busy with a range of different interviews. I interviewed American Express's UK leader, Hannah Lewis. We spoke both about her business and her leadership strategy. She thinks that one of the most important parts of her role is to keep her team focused. And she said, we should plan for different scenarios, but think about it from the perspective of what are we going to be able to control rather than getting too caught up in what could happen. So as soon as you let the organisation do that, you can all get lost in a swirl. Keeping people motivated and on the ultimate path is really, really important, she says. She also thinks we should be more comfortable in sharing our career ambitions. This might mean you receive negative feedback, but she argues it's much better to know any concerns people may have about you and work out your path with that knowledge. And one of her big, biggest leadership lessons is that you are more powerful as the best version of yourself rather than trying to impersonate someone else. Now, this is very um, advice that people talk about a lot about being yourself. And what does that really mean? 
one manifestation of this for her was in a communication style. And she said, I'm an engineer by training. I'm relatively direct in my communications, but I also believe in listening. And people have told me to go into negotiations and push hard. Actually, I find it's much more effective personally to understand where the other person is coming from, ask questions and navigate through. Another leader I interviewed was Dr. Nicola Hodson, who's the first woman to lead IBM in the UK. She's a heavy hitter in the world of tech. She's a materials engineer by trade. She's run a series of successful business transformation projects throughout her career and was one of the most senior global leaders at Microsoft before she joined Big Blue. Her priorities for IBM were to ensure its strategy on AI and cloud is well understood and ensure IBM has a voice around policy decisions, especially as it pertains to AI. Now, IBM has been talking about quantum computing for many years, but she said this is something leaders should be aware of in the medium to long term. She said IBM is already doing a lot with its clients to make sure what they're doing now is quantum safe, that their data is protected from bad actors in the future. And she said that at IBM, they're focusing on their ability to support research scenarios in cases where quantum is providing unprecedented computing power. For example, drug companies modeling and testing out new drugs at a rate and pace they haven't been able to get anywhere near before. And she also said financial services are running complex scenarios around risk management, like the Monte Carlo simulation. You can Google it. All these can be done much faster with quantum. They've actually made the technology available for people to experiment with. Aside from talking about her strategy for IBM, she said it was really important for her to be a role model for balance among her staff. And she talked about how she set boundaries throughout her career and urged leaders to formulate their pit crew, like a Formula One driver, the people who help her succeed. I thought it was really refreshing for a senior leader to be honest about the challenges that come with these high power roles and also give people permission to prioritise their own lives as well as work throughout their career. It's not just a privilege for those at the top. We're also launching a new series this week. Um, this is our With Hindsight series. In it, we chat to serial entrepreneurs to find out how they repeat their successes with multiple ventures. We get them to share the lessons they take with them from one business to the next and ask them for any pearls of advice that can help other aspiring founders. The first interview which came out on Monday is with designer and All Saints co-founder Stuart Trevor. Trevor sold his stake in the retailer in 2005 and has since gone on to found Bolongaro Trevor, a small-scale fashion house that has dressed bands and celebrities such as the Libertines and Helena Bonham Carter. He's since exited that venture and in the first With Hindsight interview, he looks back on what he's learnt and tells Jennifer Small why for his latest eponymous venture, he's launching a clothing company that doesn't produce any new clothes. So you can find that interview on the MT site now. Other interviews to look out for are with Gav Thompson, um, he's the founder of GifGaf, and with Debbie Wasco, the co-founder of Albright's. So we've got those ones coming up in the next few weeks. Great, it's a really interesting series, so readers should definitely keep an eye out for that. Next up was a news story about the progress of the number of women on FTSE boards. Ailish, take us through so it. So I'm sure everyone will be pleased to hear that the number of women on FTSE 350 boards has increased beyond the 40% target and ahead of the 2025 deadline. However, the appointment rate still leans in favour of men. Now, these figures are from the government-backed FTSE Women Leaders Report, which says women now make up 42% of FTSE 350 boards, which is up from 25% when the review was first launched. The number of all-male executive committees has decreased, down to 9 from 54. However, seeing as that we're only in 2024, and we can't expect everything, uh, the representation of women in leadership positions has increased to 35%, so just shy of the 40% target, 
Um, but more than six out of every 10 vacancies are still being awarded to men. The review states that in order to meet the 40% target, almost every other appointment will need to go to a woman until 2025. The review also contains information about the UK's top 50 private companies, which boasts 36% female representation in leadership. Um, but women on boards has remained largely flat at 31%. Um, and interestingly, um, the review also provides a list of the best performing FTSE 350 companies. So if we split that between FTSE 100 and FTSE 250, coming out on top for FTSE 100 is Burberry Group, where women make up 55% of leadership roles. Now, the review defines leadership roles as the executive committee and direct reports to the executive committee on a combined basis. Uh, Marks and Spencer Group came in second with 51% and next is in third with 50%. Among the FTSE 250, the top spot was awarded to Law Debenture Corp Corporation at 59%, with second and third place taken by Integrafin Holdings, 54%, and ITV, 52%, respectively. Now, this leads on quite nicely to our 35 Women Under 35 awards. Um, we're bringing this back for 2024 and the deadline is fast approaching. For more than two decades, these awards have sought to recognise, reward and celebrate the achievements of women who are reshaping the business landscape, particularly in the early stages of their careers. Our previous winners are some of the biggest names in business, including Stella McCartney, Dido Harding, Martha Lane Fox, Shabri Lakhani and Karen Blackett. So get your entries in by the 14th of March to be in with a chance of winning a spot on this year's list. The photo shoot of the winners was a real highlight of 2023 for the editorial team. Um, so we definitely recommend getting your entries in now. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening to Leadership Lessons podcast. If you liked us, please subscribe. You can find us on Apple, Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>